0: This podcast discusses mature themes and contains swearing. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to another episode of Young Life, Politics, and Hip Hop. I'm your host Dante Kaloya. Well, here we are again. Um, this is episode two of my new series. Um, and honestly, so far, so good. Um, before I get into kind of the, uh, the, the topic for today, I just kind of wanted to talk about um, how people received episode one, um, a little bit more about the topic from episode one. And uh, yeah, just to just generally kind of wanted to touch on that quickly. So I got all, uh, overall all positive feedback. The one thing that I was told by my mom, who, you know, I love her to death, and I know she would always be honest with me, is that I was saying um, amen uh, a lot. And even right now, because you notice for, the, for this 10 seconds, I haven't said it. I'm starting to like, you know, I'm starting to, to not freak out. But I'm like, oh, I got to say, um, I got to say, um, because what, what I do is I fill up the, the empty spaces while I'm thinking with um or uh, and to not do that is like telling someone our age not to say like, which I don't know if you've ever tried that. Um, but if you want to torture yourself, then try not to say like for basically an entire conversation. It will, uh, it will test you. Anyway, so I'm I'm working on that, but we'll see how long that lasts because I definitely really like saying, um, it's almost like a little soother, like a kid has a blankie. Mine is saying, um, so, um, oh, I just did it again. So we'll, we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, but other than that, um, I kind of wanted to start off with something kind of funny that happened at the library while I was studying, um, just recently today, basically last week I was talking about chasing the carrot and kind of living in the moment. And I think that there is kind of an extreme to living in the moment just like there's a lot of negative things about looking too far in the future there are also a lot of negative things about living in the moment like um i don't know partying too hard on like a tuesday and then failing your exam the next day uh but basically i was studying with one of my buddies at the library and there were these two random girls sitting across from us uh and i was just studying and you know out of the corner of my eye i see that a guy comes up to one of the girls um and they were they were pretty close and talking pretty loudly i wasn't eavesdropping or anything i'm totally not like a a gossip queen um but no, I am actually. Uh, but basically, this guy comes up and he's like, oh, uh, how's it going? How's your studying going? Et cetera. And I was like, oh, like this guy knows her. He's just making conversation. I was like, nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, but then the girl was like, oh, what's your name? Or no, sorry. The guy's like, oh, well, what's your name? Um, and she's like, oh, whatever. My name's so-and-so. And then he's like, what program are you? What are you studying? And it became clear that they didn't know each other. And then there was kind of this awkward lull. And he asked for her number. And then she's like, no, I gotta keep studying. And this guy just walks away, sits down at the table beside us where he are studying, and keeps studying. Um, now, if it was me, I, I definitely would not have the, I guess some could say confidence, some could say just abandon to do that. Um, I feel like I would be way too self conscious because, you know, if you're at a gym or a library, I feel like people aren't really there to socialize per se. If you're at a party, it's one thing. Everyone's kind of there to talk and mingle and talk to strangers. But at the library, I think it's a lot different. But so I guess that that's kind of an example of living in the moment too much because he's like oh you know what life's short I'm just gonna go ask her out and you know f the consequences if she feels uncomfortable she rejects me whatever I'll deal with it and you know what like all success to him I think that that sometimes works like my mom and dad told me that my uncle would ask out like 10 random women on the street and one in 10 would say yes uh in my opinion I don't think that's the best strategy um but you know to each their own I think that as, as I've said before in the first episode, everything has their own advantages. Uh, for me, I just definitely would not be able to go sit back down at a table beside someone right after uh, I was rejected. So anyways, um, kind of that aside, I just wanted to give a big shout out to anybody who did listen to the first episode. Uh, it was great to to kind of talk to people about what they thought of it. Uh, big shout out to Josh. Uh, we went out for drinks on Friday, and we chatted for like three hours about kind of what I had touched on, uh, what he had struggled with, what I had struggled with. So Uh, Josh, if you're listening to this second one, big shout out to you. Uh, You're a solid buddy and I like having those deep talks. Uh, My parents also talked to me about it and, you know, I was obviously kind of nervous because uh, I was talking about them in the podcast, but they both had uh, great things to say. So mom and dad, shout out to you guys uh, for always being my biggest fans with everything. Also, shout out to Zoe for the awesome feedback. Um, And also you should go check out her articles uh, on her Instagram, which is Zoe underscore mass. Sorry if I got that wrong or said it wrong. Um, but she writes some awesome articles kind of along the same lines of, uh, what I'm talking about, like deeper stuff, thoughtful things about the world. And, you know, um, I guess you could classify it as self-help or at least that's what I classify mine as. Um, but yeah, her articles are dope. So go check those out. And, uh, yeah, Zoe, shout out to you if you're listening. So, uh, now that the shout outs and kind of touching on the first episode is done, uh, I wanted to officially get into our second episode. Um, and I think before I kind of start on, uh, on my actual topic, I just kind of wanted to talk about why I chose uh, this topic, what the kind of vibe is at Queens right now. Um, And so today, you might notice is called the scheduling paradox. And basically, um, some background right now, it's, uh, I would say we're about in the thick of exam season. So, you know, everybody's studying, uh, classes have finished. Uh, This is basically the final exam period for uh, everyone at Queens. So the vibe does change a lot. over this period, I would say that everyone kind of gets into this work mode. Um, You know, people will stay over at the library, uh, tables are coveted, it's super busy, everybody is fully in work mode. And what's also been happening at the same time, uh, environmentally, is that it started to snow. So, uh, we got about, I think, maybe half a foot of snow today. Um, It's definitely officially winter and, you know, getting towards being Christmas. Um, So the aesthetic that this and the studying all kind of creates at Queen's is almost like um, a lazy vibe, but not in a lazy way, if that makes sense. It's just kind of like everybody is, you know, tired, wearing sweatpants, quiet because they're studying, it's snowing. Um, It almost feels like Queen's itself just slows down during exam season, if that makes sense. It's like everything kind of just grinds to a halt. You know, there's no classes, uh, no nothing, and everyone's just kind of like in in this zone and honestly, it's pretty majestic. Um, I gotta say that I, I didn't think that I was going to like exam season that much. I mean, I haven't had a true exam season since first year because I wouldn't count second year with COVID. Uh, but I think it's pretty cool to, to just be in this full zone of, you know, focusing on work. Uh, anyways, so I'm going to get into that a little bit later. Um, but I thought that this, this kind of topic of the scheduling paradox, which is basically, uh, my struggles as an overachiever, um, And kind of just like also self satisfaction uh, that comes with being an overachiever, struggling with self satisfaction. Uh, And then also just kind of tips on how to schedule your life and what I have found to be successful. So, just in general, I think work life balance would be the best way to summarize this episode. Um, But the scheduling paradox itself, I will get into a little bit later. This is something that I actually created myself. Um, It's not like chasing the carrot that was, uh, you know, from cartoons and what other people have touched on. This is something that I noticed and decided to, uh, to talk about. So for those of you listening, um, I hope that you're settled in and nice and cozy after maybe a long day of work, or maybe you just got up. Um, But keep working. Uh, Exams are almost done. And I hope that my, uh, my episode can give you guys a little bit of a break from, uh, from all the hard work that you're doing. So I guess to kind of start off, um, it would be best to give my background as to why I feel like I'm an overachiever, and maybe what I see an overachiever as, um, and just kind of the negatives and the positives about it as well. So when I say overachiever, I don't necessarily mean it in an entirely negative connotation, as it might seem. Um, For myself, I would see an overachiever as somebody who who really goes above and beyond in fields that they are passionate about, um, and sometimes not passionate about. I just think that... An overachiever is somebody who really pushes themselves to the limits and who doesn't stop when things get either uncomfortable, tough, um, even hopeless sometimes. I think that it's just somebody who pushes through those moments in their life where they're feeling uncomfortable or in those situations in life where you're really feeling uncomfortable about something and you, you, you kind of stick that to the back of your head and you say, you know what, no, I need to do this. I need to push through. I think that for me, um, the reason why I kind of became an overachiever. Because I don't think you just, maybe in really specific cases, um, it can be a nature thing uh, when it comes to being an overachiever. But to me, it seems a lot more like it's nurtured. Um, I think that your parents and, you know, the the authority figures around you play a huge role in, uh, in your work ethic. Um, and just your environment as well. You know, like there's certain people who, um, if you come from an environment where nobody has a work ethic, Um, You know, for example, if your family is very poor or you come from kind of more of a broken family where you're experiencing a lot of things at home, that might actually force you um, to work to get out of the situation and that can make you an overachiever. Um, Otherwise, you know, in other cases you can have a very supportive family um, and that can also push you to be an overachiever because your parents are pushing you so hard uh, and you really don't want to let them down. Uh, For me it's the latter. Um, I would say that I, you know, I always had very supportive parents uh, and and I still do, sorry. I, I. have very supportive parents um and you know like my dad's a doctor as I said before and my mom's a comedian uh she's very driven uh very skilled in her trade and they both work their butts off I would call them both um overachievers in a positive way uh, I would say that they they go above and beyond in their respective trades um and I think that this was something that was fostering me from a young age it was like you know I, I would be mad about it in like grade nine and we even still joke about it now um But if I came home with like an 85, my dad would always say, well, what did you do wrong? Um, And I I think that this at the time for me was like, oh, like, why isn't he happy uh, with what I had? And obviously he, he was, he wasn't, is very supportive. Um, But, you know, there was a focus on what are you going to do better next time? And at the time I would, you know, huff and puff about it. Uh, But I realized that it almost ingrained into me this, this drive to always want to be better and to want to be the best. Not even just better, but to be the best. Uh, and, and I know that my brother can agree with me on this because, you know, if you get a 90, it's almost like you're always looking at that 10%. That's the mentality uh, that was ingrained in us. Now, with that said, I wouldn't say that this uh, this doesn't come with negatives um, because I think that sometimes I almost beat myself up too much about uh, grades. And I sometimes almost am a bit of a perfectionist uh, to a negative to a negative point. Uh, a good example of this actually that just happened was at the beginning of my podcast, I have that whole thing where I say, uh, This episode contains swearing and mature themes, viewer discretion is advised. I recorded that about 25 times over just because there was something little that was wrong with it. And you know what? The last one was probably the best. Could I have taken maybe five before that? I probably could have. But you know what? The, my brain, being a bit of a perfectionist, I said, You know what? No, I want to get it right. I want to get it perfectly right. And I think that that does pay off in the long run. Uh, I just think where you run into issues is when uh, you start to kind of feel guilty uh, when you're not working. And so this is kind of my segue into the next part, uh, which is basically just that guilt complex of overachievers. So with it being exam season and everything, um, everybody's at the library, tons of people at the library, or they're working. Um, And I find that a lot of people my age, Um, no criticism to them are definitely less organized than I am. And I would just say that I am an anomaly when it comes to organization. um, Because I'm someone who's very, very regimented with that kind of thing. And I'm going to get into that a little bit later, um, near the end of the podcast. But basically, the way that I've been been working this week, is I'll go to the gym in the morning, no matter what I wake up five days a week, I go to the gym. Then, you know, I have food, I shower, and then I'm off to the library. My brother saves me a seat, we get coffee or whatever, and we work for, you know, he's been there for a bit of time, but I'll usually be there for about four or five hours. And after the four or five hours, I almost always leave because, you know, you get to that part that, sorry, you get to that point where your brain is just completely fried. You can't get anything done. And at that point, you're kind of just sitting at the library, staring at a blank screen off into space, um, or you're just kind of being unproductive on your phone or just goofing off. Um, So at that point, I just told myself, you know what, I'm going to go home. But the second that I step out of the library, this guilty feeling overcomes me and I say, no, you know what, I should be studying. And I have to kind of stick that to the back of my head and I have to say, no, you know what, that's not realistic right now. You were just in there, you didn't like it, and you're leaving. Um, And I wonder if that kind of falls into the whole grass is greener on the other side kind of thing. Like at least when i'm studying you know i'm always wanting to be doing something fun or not always but i'm thinking about doing something fun um mind you like i do really like studying and there's a satisfaction to it but i'm obviously daydreaming about other things you know girls playing video games reading a book djing i think everybody does um but i've found that at least maybe not as much now because i've been training myself but at least at the beginning of school um Every time that I wasn't doing work, I was thinking about the work that I should have been doing, even if it wasn't really justified. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm someone who slacks off. I would say that I'm, I would consider myself a driven person. Um, I would consider myself someone with a strong schedule. And, you know, I would be like, I don't know, it would be like a Sunday morning and I'd finished all my assignments and I'm prepared for the week and I'm playing an hour of video games or, you know, I'm doodling or I'm DJing. And in my head, I'm like, there must be something you can be doing right now. And I don't know if part of it is living in a house full of engineers. Um, Engineers, my brother's gonna hate me for saying this, but I, I really think, I think that engineers are extremely busy. But I think they also just like love being busy at all hours of the day and telling everyone how busy they are. Um, I just feel like that's kind of a trait that engineers have. It's almost like a competition of who's the busiest, who's the most burnt out. Uh, so being around that energy, you're kind of like, oh, like, well, they're working. Um, why am I not working right now? And so this, again, is, a, is actually a perfect transition into self-satisfaction and not working for others, uh, which, in my opinion, is the, the best solution for kind of separating uh, work and life and also just kind of reaching that goal of being Zen and happy with the work that you do. So I would say up until probably COVID, um, I was always, I think, deep down kind of working for the gratification of others. And what I mean by this is, I was working to hear other people say to me, hey, you did a great job. And I think that as humans, we're kind of just naturally conditioned to be looking for um, approval. You know, there's the whole like wanting to be part of a there's a primal instinct of wanting to be part of a group and part of a community. So I think that that's partly where um, our need for external gratification comes in. Um, and I think dopamine too. Like I think, you know, you get a bit of a rush of dopamine when someone compliments you. Uh, so I don't think that the chemical side of it uh, should be discounted either. The the two people I would say in particular um, I was working to impress was my grandpa and my dad and you know this isn't necessarily a compliment to them or uh, a non-compliment to someone who i wasn't really working to impress it was more just a fact um my dad was was probably put you know he was the person who put the most pressure on me academically and just in general with um, my endeavors Uh, and i would say that my grandpa was probably the second person to put the most pressure um my mom her personality is to, you know, she's she's your biggest fan, and not just anybody, but you know, she's she loves her kids. She created them. Uh, she kept them in her stomach for, I think it's eight months as a pregnancy period. Maybe I'm really stupid and it's not. Uh, but however long a pregnancy period is, the point I'm trying to make is I think that there's this, this just, for this love that just like explodes every time a mother sees her kids. I just think that that's something that just every mother has that unless your son you know does something absolutely horrible and malicious I think that, that just perpetually exists so I don't blame my mom for being a hype for being like hyping me up all the time and I think it's amazing I think my mom and my dad are a perfect balance but um I think that my dad was always the person who pushed higher marks and my mom was always a person who said you know you did your best and I think that's amazing and both have their advantages and their disadvantages. And I would say that having one parent who pushes you and one who hypes you up would be perfect because, you know, it maintains your confidence, but also doesn't, doesn't give you this hubris of, oh, I'm the best. Um, I don't need to do anything better Uh, because I think that everybody can improve. Realistically, I don't think there's anybody who's perfect. Anyways, so where I'm going with this is from whatever, once Mark started to matter. So I guess like grade seven, grade eight, um, until the end of first year, I would always tell, you know, I would go to my dad and I would say, Hey dad, guess what I got? I got this, I got that. And my brother still does that. I don't blame him for it. Um, But you know, when he gets like a mark on a test, the first thing he does is he texts our family group chat and he says, hey, I got this. And my mom and dad text back and they say, hey, great job, this, or you could have done better, whatever. Um, But he texts the group chat. I, I felt like I was like that. The second I got a mark, I would tell my parents. And you know, I wasn't always happy with what I would hear. I feel like I was almost texting to hear my parents say, yeah, you did good. You worked hard enough. Here's your little gold star, great job. And then it was like, then I could rest easy. And I felt like that wasn't necessarily something that was positive because there would be times where I had worked hard enough, but because my dad said didn't say what I wanted to hear, then I would discredit myself and I would beat myself up. And that's no blame to him. If anything, I would blame myself because, again, I was looking for some external gratification instead of genuinely looking at my unconscious self saying, you did enough. So th- there was my unconscious self who said, yes, I worked my ass off and you know what? I didn't get a 90. I got a 75 because the circumstances were different because marks are always so subjective. But then my conscious self was asking my dad and saying, hey, what do you think of this? And he's just looking at it without knowing the external circumstances saying, oh, you got a 75 like that's OK, but it could be better. And so I have this unconscious and conscious self clashing with each other. And at the end of the day, I just, get, you know, I'm left with a bad taste in my mouth and I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? And, you know, you're left confused. And it's not it's not the fault of anyone but your own brain. Your own brain is tricking you. And, you know, I think that COVID, I don't know if it was because it was online or if it was because I just kind of became more independent and I started to grow more and mature more as a person. Um, but I, I just started to kind of do the work for myself. I Now that I think about it, I think it was because it was such an uncertain time. And at least for me, I hated online school. I'm not someone who can stare at a screen all day. Um, I just, I can't focus when it's, it's in an online setting. So when all my classes were online and I was, you know, at home uh, doing school all day, I, I wouldn't always get the results that I wanted. You know, like I, I bombed one of my exams because it was just like, I took six classes. I took on an extra class. Um, you know, I was going through stuff with my parents, going through stuff with my brother, with my girlfriend at the time. And school was just taking such a toll on me because it was online and it was just so not my learning style. And on the sixth exam, I was like halfway through it and I, I literally wrote on the paper, I was like, you know what, like I'm done. Like I have had enough of this year, I'm done. And you know, I got like a whatever fifty-five, a sixty, a passing grade on it because I didn't finish it. Um, but I would argue that in that specific circumstance you can't really just look at it as like a 55 or whatever, 55 or 60, and just take that at face value. When I got my final marks back for, you know, the year that I was in COVID, I was satisfied with what I got. And you know, I didn't get all A's. um, And I I didn't beat myself up over it. For once, finally, I was kind of like, you know what, I worked hard, I had a really, I had probably the most difficult year of my life. Yet I was able to still push through finish this year, pass all my classes, still do relatively well. um, And, you know, learn what I could from something that I was so not used to, and was like completely the opposite of my learning style. For me, that was a victory. And the fact that I just didn't really look to anyone else for that satisfaction. um, it, It was amazing. It felt great. And you know, my grandpa, he's I love him to death. He, my grandma and grandpa, have given me so much. They're, they're like putting me through university. Um, they, they have done many amazing things for me. Uh, my grandpa does put a lot of pressure on me. He, you know, he he jokes about arts being uh, a joke about me not being able to get a job, etc. Uh, you know, ask me about my future. He he's always pushing, um, and this this can be positive because it kind of plants a seed and forces you to really think about what you want to do and about the true things that are potentially, you know, scary about being in an arts degree. Um, But I I just think that, like, not caring what he thought of my marks and everything uh, was truly a positive step to take. Not caring what my parents thought of my marks was a genuine positive step to take. I feel like the same thing can be said about even advice from your parents. You know I used to always ask my parents everything I was always like you know I would always run things by my parents no matter what it was and you know if I didn't get the advice that I wanted from them because it was sometimes just to hear them say yeah that's a good idea when in my head I was like this is a good idea I, I just wanted a bit of a dopamine or an ego boost uh so I would ask them and then if I didn't get the answer I wanted I was all dejected and I'd be like oh what's wrong with them they don't get me when again it was kind of my fault and my own brain tricking me um once I separated myself being at university I was like you know what I'll take some advice and if there's something else like if my parents gave me advice about DJing or like old school rap it's like no like I know more than them about it I genuinely know more so I I need to take my own advice and I just need to sometimes not listen to them and that's another kind of thing that I just think happens when you mature so that's kind of the working side of self-satisfaction of you know Mark's um, something that's very subjective, something that I don't think you should take at face value. Um, if, if you're feeling like you're struggling with self-esteem with your marks, just stop comparing them to other people, one, because no one is the same as you. You're going through different things than other people. So if you always compare yourself to somebody else and their marks, you're never going to be happy. So that would be my first piece of advice. Um, my second piece of advice would you to just be, don't look to your parents or your grandparents or, you know, other people um, for gratification on your marks. Not, not really comparing your marks to their marks or whatever, um, but just, you know, look into yourself and say, did I work my hardest or did I work what was my hardest in these circumstances to get that mark? And if the answer to that is yes, then I honestly don't think it matters what you got. I truly think that working hard is 10 times more important than the marks you get. And some people might disagree with me on this, And that's totally fine. But I think that marks, yes, they're important, but they're also just so subjective and so specific to the circumstances that I think that truly learning is more important, as cliche as that sounds. So getting back to the whole stoffer and studying thing, um, I don't think it's just self-satisfaction with marks that matters. Um, I think that, you know, how much you study and how much you work, it it also needs to be a self-satisfaction thing. Um, As I said, I was always struggling with, you know, up until almost, I would say a month, a month and a half ago, uh, I was really struggling with my work-life balance of when I was doing things for fun, I was just perpetually like, I need to be working right now. Uh, And I think that tons of people go through this. Um, So what I kind of did to stop that was, again, I just, I stopped comparing myself to other people working, like, you know, when I was at the library. I did six productive hours of work today, but the second I left, I still felt guilty because there were still people at the library. It doesn't matter who it is. It's just the fact that there are other people working. Um, And I was just, my mom kind of talks about monkey mind. She's big into meditation. Your monkey mind is kind of that, the voice in the back of your head. For all you overthinkers, kind of like me, I'm definitely an overthinker. Um, There's always going to be a voice in the back of your head like, oh, you're not doing enough or you're not good enough, stuff like that. And it's not like it's big, um, but just it's the voice of doubt is what I would call it, I guess. And it can be positive sometimes and it can be really detrimental other times. Um, you just sometimes need to push that monkey mind or that doubtful mind to the back of your head. Like when I stepped out of the library into, this, into the beautiful snow tonight. Uh, and you need to say, you know what? No, realistically, I worked six hours. If I go back in there, I am not going to get anything done. I'm going to watch stupid YouTube videos or go on my phone or bug my buddy who's trying to study. Um, I'm not going to get anything done. And I, I, you know what? I worked really hard today. I need a treat, I need to go home and I need to relax and I just need to record a podcast, play some video games, read a book or draw. And tomorrow I'm going to get back to work. Uh, I'm not behind on anything. So, you know, I just need to take the time. And you know, that's very specific to me. That's what, what I have to tell myself, everything needs to comfort themselves differently, reassure themselves differently. But it's just kind of reassuring your, your logical brain, that what your illogical brain is thinking is illogical. Because it, it isn't always going to just feel like that. Sometimes we kind of buy into the, the things that our head's telling us that isn't really true or logical because we're emotional people. Um, so I think that the just kind of really creating that difference and just reminding your brain that you're on the right track um, or not on the right track sometimes is a really positive way to get self-satisfaction and to stop just perpetually thinking about work when you should be relaxing. Because what happens when you buy into this kind of voice in the back of your head is that you either get burnout, you work way too hard, um, and and I don't really see anything positive coming out of that. Um, You know, I touched on this a little bit um, with my dad last episode. I think that my dad was, you know, very focused on his work sometimes. I think that my brother is very focused on his work, and I think that both my dad and my brother are extremely intelligent people. Um, You know, they're both in the STEM fields. Uh, But I also think, you know, like, I think that my brother is really i think he's tired i think he's working his ass off and you know he doesn't have to have as much time for hobbies or really let alone any hobbies other than than running which is awesome um and my dad when he was working didn't really have that much time for hobbies either so i think that really finding a balance is something that's necessary and i just think that there are there are a lot of people who kind of buy into this i need to be working all the time um and who don't really have as much time to take breaks And you know, what I mean by that is even if they do physically have the time to take breaks, their brain doesn't let them actually take a break. So this kind of ties into the scheduling paradox uh, that I was referring to at the beginning of my uh, show and what the name of this episode is. Um, And it's basically when you're busy, uh, your brain is tricking you into not wanting to be busy or to be wanting to do something else. So sometimes you, you know, you feel guilty about working or not even guilty about working, but you just, you don't necessarily want to be working. Um, And you're like, Oh, you know, I'm so burnt out. I'm so busy. This sucks. Um, And then basically, when you're not busy, your brain is tricking you into wanting to work. So for a lot of people, you know, their monkey mind jumps them between the two. And it's almost like you're stuck in this little paradox of being unhappy, no matter what you're doing. Even when you're listening to this kind of unconscious part of your brain, you're stuck left feeling unhappy, no matter what, no matter what you're doing, you don't feel fulfilled. And once you break out of this paradox is when you can feel happy, because when you're doing work, you're doing work, and you're just happy with doing work. And when you're not doing work, and you're relaxing, you're just happy with with relaxing. And that's how you can kind of break out of this crappy cycle. But that's what I mean when I'm referring to the scheduling paradox. It's your brain keeping you in this constant cycle of always kind of wanting to do what you're not doing and always perpetually feeling guilty. Um... Or just unhappy with what you're doing at the current moment. Anyways, uh, so the last kind of thing that I just wanted to touch on before I uh, I end my podcast here is my scheduling system. Um, And obviously, you know, certain people are busier than me, certain people are less busier than me. Um, But I would consider myself a decently busy person with my hobbies, my social life and my academic life. And what a lot of people will kind of poke at me for is any of my friends who know, we will know that I have this little a planner, and it's a weekly planner, and it has basically nine to five uh, of every day to plan things out hourly, however you want to do it. Um, but I will literally schedule my week, not my weekend, I will schedule my week down to a T. So basically, uh, a typical Monday would be, uh, you know, wake up at eight, hit the gym from 815 to 945. Get home at 10. Food and shower is from, let's say, 10 to 11.30. 11.30 to 11.45, brush my teeth, uh, get my stuff together. And then at 12 or 12.15, uh, go to class. Let's say I have class from 12.30 to 5.30. Get home at 5.45. Downtime from 5.45 to 6.45. Dinner from 6.45 to 7.45. Anyways, you can see where I'm going with this. I will schedule in showering, I will schedule in eating, I will schedule in doing nothing. And and I think that a lot of people don't do that. I think that a lot of people schedule what they see as, you know, quote unquote, important uh, work appointments, the, the kind of the mandatory, that's what I would say, there's a mandatory schedule. And then there's a non mandatory schedule. And everybody does the mandatory schedule. That's what, uh, you know, most people see a schedule as but what I think a lot of people don't do is this non mandatory scheduling. And for me, it was a huge revelation where I said, you know what, like, why don't I just schedule everything, like literally everything that I'm doing, like, even if it's, I wouldn't, but like going to the bathroom, schedule 10 minutes, no, that that wouldn't make any sense, actually, because you can't really plan that. Um, but you get the point that I'm trying to make. So it, you just you take your mandatory schedule, which you probably already have. And you just really you pencil in specific times for downtime, you specific you specifically pencil in times for eating and showering and why it's so important is because when it's written down, at least for me, I feel like I tend to follow it more. Um, I'm someone who needs rigid structure um, when it comes to working out and when it comes to academic things or jobs or kind of what I would call like commitments, not like just fun or hobbies or stuff like that. Um, And I think that when I write it down, I'm much more prone to follow it. And in the same way that you need to kind of schedule the mandatory stuff so that you follow it, meeting deadlines, going to class... Uh, you know, appointments, credit card shit, all the adult stuff. I think that, you know, you won't necessarily abide to downtime, unless you actually write it down. And for a lot of people who struggle with kind of having a work life balance, and who are feeling burnt out right now, I would guess it's because you're, you know, you're either taking too much downtime, just randomly, you know, you're on your phone from like nine till 12, when you maybe should be doing work. And then you cram seven 10-12 10-12 hours at the library because you've done nothing in the morning and then next thing you know it's your exam and you're sleep deprived and maybe you do well on your exam but it took a toll on you what what? a lot like my friend asked me the other day he's like, how do you have so many hobbies, how are you in so many clubs and how do you still do well in school and honestly like, if you just genuinely schedule your entire week, a week in advance every Sunday I schedule the week if you just schedule it and you pencil in downtime, social hobbies, everything, I guarantee you will have so many hours to spare, not so many. But I guarantee you will have more hours to spare than what you have right now. Just because you will you will follow everything. And you will force yourself to keep this this rigid schedule and structure. um, Instead of just kind of having this willy nilly work now downtime now, and and especially in an age of so many distractions. um, I think that this is just a, a huge benefit. Anyways, I mean, it works for me. Um, everyone's different. Everyone has their own schedules. Uh, I'm sure that there's many people who can have a schedule that's just mandatory things uh, that will also be successful. Uh, but I just thought that I would impart that knowledge. Um, and what kind of worked for me because as my buddy Josh said, uh, who I was talking with the other day, like, you know, you can learn something from everybody. Um, no matter who it is, no matter how old or how young they are, where they're in life, everyone has something to offer that you might not know. So being open minded. Uh, is a really positive thing and sharing what works for you is also a very positive thing because it might work for somebody else so anyways that was my episode for the week um if you want to reach out to me and discuss this with me um if you just have any general questions uh you can always hit me up on instagram at dante.caloia that's d-a-n-t-e dot c-a-l-o-i-a um again you know it's listeners like you that uh that make this all worth it i really really appreciate you taking the time to uh listen to this for the students especially during a busy uh busy exam season but you know i would just say don't forget to get out there enjoy the beautiful weather um i know not everybody likes winter but to me the snow is just majestic you know watch a christmas movie with your housemates make some cookies have a nap play some video games just don't forget to take time for yourself you know like everybody is going through the same thing as you everybody is busy and sometimes it's just necessary to take that downtime and to take that time to recover your mental health and to relax. And, you know, just go into your own head and just be happy with yourself and be happy with who you are and what you're doing right now. And just tune everybody else out. Sometimes that's just what you have to do. I hope that each and every one of you have an absolutely amazing night or day, um, whatever it is when you're listening to this. Um, And I will see you guys for the next episode. Stay safe and take care.